0: And welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James-Heitland, and every week I'm joined by two of my dearest friends, Michelle Bensinger and Heather Kim This podcast is born out of our friendship of sharing all kinds of things together, our walk with Christ, our insights, our joys, sorrows, tears, and laughter, and you are most welcome on the journey with us. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast, and happy Advent, y'all. Here we are, the season of light, the season of beauty, and we've got a really fun series for you beginning today, which you're going to meet four incredible people over the next four weeks who are going to help you in your journey with Advent. But before I let Heather introduce our wonderful guest today, I just want to do an Advent check in with you, Michelle, and you, Heather. Michelle, how are you doing?
1: I am doing good, sister. I am coming off of being sick, so I'm not my usual 100% mm-hmm. self, but I'm good. I'm here, and I'm with you guys, mm-hmm. and I'm excited about this series. So
0: mm, you excited about Advent? Because you love Advent. I, aside from football season, I think it's one of your favorites. I love Advent. <laughs> and this
1: Advent, I am totally uh, resting, mm-hmm. and I have a personal retreat scheduled, Girl. and oh I'm gosh, off social wow. media for this Advent. So Way
2: to go.
1: Yeah, but let me tell you, it's taken a lot of preparation to be able to rest. Like, I literally had to do two or three weeks, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, a prep mm-hmm. just so I can mm-hmm. rest, you know, mm-hmm. but it is good. It is really, really good. It's what God ordained. So, That's awesome. nice and cozy. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather,
2: how are you? Good. I love Advent. It's my favorite. Lent used to be my favorite when I was like...
0: Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What'd you say? Can you say that again? What?
2: What'd you say? I know. Lent used to be my <laughs> favorite.
0: You, you don't usually hear hashtag. Hashtag. Hear.
2: I love Lent. Um <laughs> You know, when I was, like, young and hardcore, but now I'm, like, older and way wimpier, so mm-hmm. now I love Advent the most. I love the season of waiting, and I think it's just such a great season to uh, to enter into the mystery and, and that it's dark outside. There's just so much to ponder and so much to reflect on, and it's one of my favorite seasons, plus eggnog lattes. Plus all the lights. Oh I just gosh. can't get enough of it. Yeah. So. They don't
0: usually have eggnog lattes during Lent, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Which is a deal yeah, killer. It's like, yeah, ash latte. <laughs> <laughs> <An> ash latte. <laughs> well, Heather, do you want to introduce our guest? I would because I he's very dear to my heart. But y'all have been best friends for a million years. So I want to just yes. give you the honor of introducing our illustrious guest to kick us off in the season of Advent.
2: Yeah, I'm super excited. Today we have with us Father Justin Brady from the Diocese of Boise in Idaho. Ooh. And Father Justin and I met when we were just young kids. Uh, I was 14 years old, I think, when we met at Whoa. a youth conference, and we were washing dishes in the kitchen, and it was like magic. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. We just laughed our heads off with each other, and that was the beginning of a of a beautiful friendship. And over the years, even though we've never lived in the same place, we've just ran into each other over and over and over again. World Youth Day in Denver, going down to see Pope John Paul II. We just happen to, amongst a million people, run into each other like four or five times. So, God has just provided a lot of opportunities for us to connect over the years, and I'm so glad that He has, because this is an incredibly important relationship in my life and one that is a deep blessing to me. Um, And we've been able to do a lot of ministry together, and... And now he is also a friend of yours, sister, and as of this morning, a friend of Michelle's. So, Father Justin. Yay. Friends meet. <laughs> so, so, Father exciting. Justin, welcome to <laughs> the podcast.
3: Why, thank you very much. Hello.
2: Yeah. I wish everybody could see um, Father Justin because he is quite an animated guy. Uh, yeah. So, you might hear us giggling at times because of that, but...
3: Anyway, we're so, I'm so happy try to, have to be you. real professional. You know, it's. Yeah. <laughs> trying to hold it together on my end yes. here.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Moments ago, he was wearing a long white beard and pretending <laughs> to be the prophet Daniel. So here that's, we are.
3: That's a long standing thing. Yeah. <laughs> here we
2: are. So I'd just love to start um, by just letting our guests hear a little bit about your story, Father, because you. As all of us do, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, that we all have a story, and that elements of our story, especially how we grew up and how God intervened in our life, it's very, very important. Um, And so I would love for you to just share a little bit about yourself.
3: You bet. I'll try to do this as succinctly as possible. I was uh, born and raised in Idaho, and I was adopted as a child, was about 46 weeks old, in that, is within that adoption, um, a blessing I had within that, is I always had a very profound identity within the context of my family. I knew always that I came from a different mother, but I never questioned the reality of where I was supposed to be. I knew, I just, I fit. And it's just one of those things, I seem to fit where I'm placed. And so that's a great grace because that's not always there with with individuals. Um, but But even within that, there was still, as it can be with anyone, I think any of us because of the fall, There's this ache and this desire to be loved, to be seen, to be known, um, to know who you are and to know who you're for. I grew up in a a Catholic family, um, one that kind of has some divergent pieces in it. My parents got divorced when I was uh, in fourth grade. And uh, my first adopted mother, she has just a lot of, just a lot of wounds, uh, chemically, psychologically, mm. and that. And so there was just a lot of abuse and emasculation that happened mm-hmm. in that because of kind of her story. And just hearing a, a profound lie early on in my life was, whether it was said or not, but what I heard within myself as a, as a boy was, men are evil. Mm. And so mm-hmm. I made this strong vow inside myself. as like, well, what do you want more than anything? You want your mom to love you. So I made this very strong vow that I'm not going to grow up. Oh. Um, kind of Peter Pan type thing. I'm not going to grow up because if I grow up, she'll hate mm. me because men are evil. Mm. Mm. And mm. even within that, it, it was such a profound lie. that Actually, I shut myself down psychosomatically. I shut myself down from even going through the maturation process. So I was a sophomore in high school and I looked like a 10-year-old. So at that point, they had you know what they labeled constitutional growth delay. So I ended up getting um, horse steroids or something, you know, they had to kickstart my body. So (laughs) it happened at that point that I started to go through the physical maturation process, but still emotionally, I wasn't going there. When I was a senior in high school, I was invited to go on a retreat by uh, the, the young woman who I was completely infatuated with. So I went on the retreat because she might love me back. And then, you know, she, we, we'd date and it didn't really happen that way. But I, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're kind of introduced. I love
0: love how honest you are. It's so great.
3: Hey, come on. Beauty leads you to God, as Pope Benedict wrote to many other saints. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. There was this blonde haired, blue eyed beauty. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So that's, that's what led me there. But it was on that retreat that even though I always had faith, it was not a very informed faith. And so I had an experience in that retreat where I left that retreat knowing there was a God that he loved me and I loved him. Mm. And that led to this whole thirst for God. I, I bumped into that, which was going to satiate the deep, deep desires of my soul. Then after graduation and a somewhat disorganized year of university, I heard the call to do youth missionary work. And then that summer there of 92, that I found myself at camp and conference in Yakima, Washington and standing to the right of Heather Kim (laughs) and laughing as we did dishes midweek in this conference or early on. And it was just providence. And when I was reflecting on it, it hit something so deep and I couldn't deny it. Right. And so when they came back from that year, I started going through the discernment process and getting more active in that discernment. And though that's when the vocation came, I wasn't being invited to seminary. So I uh, did a couple more years of university, youth work, retreat work, evangelization work, went back on reach again for a second year. And it was that year that I heard the Lord say, it's time to major in priesthood, right? Um, Amen. Like becoming a priest is a lot like falling in love and getting married. It starts with attraction, then it starts with kind of being around it. And then you start dating, then you go to serious dating, <laughs> then you go into you know <laughs> engagement, betrothal, and then you marry. And so he began a profound movement to heal the deep, deep wounds of my life. This man that he was calling this son that he loved, he was too dang broken to be a father Mm -hmm. to others. And so God being so faithful, just tore me open. And in the midst of a Mm -hmm. conference and showed the deep profound wounds, deep, deep, deep wounds and God in his great economy leading me to where I needed to go so that my spiritual and emotional and psychological hemorrhages could be salved by his great wounds. Mm. And he did this wonderful work to begin to heal this broken man boy, to make him ready to be a spouse and a father. Uh That's been almost 15 years ago. And It's amazing what he's done over this last 15 years of being able to root me ever more deeply in that reality of being a beloved son of the father, a man and priest in Christ, a temple of the Holy spirit, the son of Mary. Mm -hmm. And that has led to where God has allowed me to be a healer, um, of souls, to be an instrument of his balm in various ways, whether it's in the confessional from the pulpit, just trying to organize and order a parish. And then within recently deliverance and exorcism ministry. For, mm. for the diocese. And, and that that's just been a whole new formation program of seeing the absolute intimacy mm-hmm. and power and love of the Holy Trinity of our Blessed Mother and uh, the Holy Order of God. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I do. Mm. Oh, yeah, you do. So it may have been longer than you wanted, but there you go. <laughs> that's
0: my story. Oh, Father, thank you so much. I, thank you just so much for sharing your your story that well, just thank you for sharing your story with us. And there's, um, just want to honor that. There's so much that you shared with us that was very sacred and tender. And I, there's so many things we could talk about in that. And I just, wondering, you know, as we, um, you know, we think about tying your story even to the season of Advent and what you do, especially as a priest, and in particular, just your your ministry of exorcism in your diocese. And um, I've just learned so much from you over the years just listening to you share about that ministry. And when we talk about the light in the Gospel of John, or the prologue of the Gospel of John, that talks about the light overcomes the darkness, you know, can you tell us a little bit about just that whole reality? Because so often we're afraid of darkness, we're afraid of Satan, we're afraid of the enemy, and and we often give him more credit than you know because we don't we're uneducated into really who he is and then how the order of God works. So if you could just talk a bit about the triumph of light and who God is. Um, would you be able to share that with our listeners just to give them some kind of grounding in that, that reality of who we are as children of God and who God is as our sure. Father?
3: Sure. I think uh, one of the good things, a uh, good scripture to root this in, one of several, beyond the one you just said, that light shines in the darkness and darkness has not overcome mm-hmm. it, is where Jesus says, do not fear the one who can kill only the body, but rather fear the one that can throw both body and soul into the fires of Gehenna. Mm. which means like the deep deep that's the deepest part of hell it's a bad place you don't want to go there mm-hmm. okay and so i i you know the the enemy has a really good pr team um and so he mm-hmm. really pros this thing out of that you know what are what are its great tools it's fear deception and and lies mm. he's the prince of lies and so he knows how to man- uh, manipulate rather our humanity um mm. you know, demons we have to remember the reality of, of, of who these creatures are. Um, you know, read a little St. Thomas Aquinas and you can learn about kind of angels and how they operate. But, but in this is, you know, they're, they're creatures with, with great knowledge, um, and perception and they know how to capitalize on weaknesses. Mm. And so it's easy to fear that because they love to trigger fear. Fear is like the mother's milk for Mm. demons. And this is why what does what does Jesus say about fear? What do we hear uh, in the script? Perfect love casts out fear casts out all fear. And so it's important to us is whenever we look at engaging in spiritual life, and especially in sort of spiritual uh sort of spiritual battles, A, we don't want to overplay, over spiritualize everything, but we need to be very sober when it comes to our emotions and our feelings. Mm-hmm. We need to engage the will. And Christianity is all about engaging the mm-hmm. will. Yeah, I don't feel like forgiving them. Well, I'm going to engage my will and I'm going to unbind them and Mm -hmm. I'm going to confess my anger and seek the mercy of God. I mean, Christianity is all about overcoming feelings and not that feelings are bad, but part of our brokenness in our society and within our church with everybody running around trying to make subjective feelings, objective truth. Mm. And the enemy would love us to operate that way. Remember who your Lord is. And these are defeated creatures. Just to kind of close this off before I go too long. These are defeated creatures deprived of the grace of God. They don't know grace. Demons have never known grace. Grace only comes when you say yes. Mm -hmm. So he made them. He gave them their mission. He gave them full, perfect knowledge, which means the knowledge to do the task assigned to them. Not knowing everything perfectly, but just what they need to know for their task. And then they were given that free will moment to choose to serve or not to serve. Mm. They chose not to serve. So that third were cast out. So they're ignorant of grace. So I tell all the listeners in this, a demon, even though they're consumed and obsessed with the, their own reason why they rejected God, and they try to, make, try to get us to, to reject them on the same principle. They want us to obsess on what they obsess on. They are petrified of a soul that loves God. Mm. A petrified soul that has been marked by God in baptism, been confirmed, and, and that who seeks to love God. And in the proper theological understanding of goodwill, since the one who's seeking the good, willing themselves towards the good, that is painful to them and frightening to them. And they are very limited in their power, they're just good at using what yeah. they have.
2: I think one of the things that many of us fall into believing is that uh, somehow, even if it's subconsciously, we think that the enemy is way more powerful than he is, and and on par with God. Really, mm-hmm. it's like this clash is still oh, happening. Yeah. And is God going to win? Is mm-hmm. he is he going to come through for me? You know, or am I going to be lost to whatever the enemy is doing? And um, and I think in that, it's just a we don't have everything in the right order. And so, I'd love to just talk about that part because I remember us having a conversation, Father Justin. I said, "What's one of the things that you've?" Learn the most, like from your the new part of your ministry as an exorcist, and you said, "It's all true," and you just got this big (laughs) smile on your face, and I was like, "What's true?" Like I leaned out like "What's true?" and you are like, "Everything we believe," you know, and and so I just love you to talk about that, like the power of the saints, sacramentals, Our Lady, like
3: it. it, This so good. it's it's like a whole. I, my, my, the kind of the is the I tell people, if I ever write a memoir on this, I'm going to call it evangelized by demons, um, mm-hmm. because by the rebellion and what they reject and what they freak out about, it's giving testimony to the objective dogmatic truths of what we hold and profess in the Holy Roman church about who is God, what is man, what are we made for heaven, hell, the sacraments. And there's this kind of beautiful thing in the midst of this is you're in there and, and and When you see a demon get really upset over something holy, you just can't help but love it more. And it's kind of like, yeah, I love it more. Mm. They'll just get so non-linear over, you know, an image of Our Lady of Sorrows or something like that, and you're just like, yeah, I love her mm. more now. Yeah. You know, yeah. chapel bells—we use those. Like, and they get so mad. You're like, yeah, I love bells more. But when that coming coming into this thing, where we're saying it's all true is although it's not like I was racked by doubt because I believed it, but I start to see in a more profound way, the profound truth of what it means that God is the author of the universe. Mm. The God loves matter because he made it and he made it for a purpose. And not only that is this matter in the, the principle the highest part of this, he made man, he made them like himself, mm. male and female with incredible dignity. And he endowed these flesh creatures with capacities that angels only marvel wow. at and some marvel and some were jealous. And it's just, oh, it's, it's beautiful, but it's all true. Cause when you see the enemy, literally he's uh, like in, in, in a, would say a, a manifestation, what can happen, there's different types, let's say, but a full manifestation is the individual's personality is pushed completely to the back. And the demon's personality is up front. So that's when he's mm-hmm. speaking. Um, the countenance of their face changes. It can be morphing. And it sounds scary, but it's not. It's just, it's really all smoke and mirrors. There's really nothing impressive. I mean, it's kind of, it's so amazing when it gets unmasked and you see the reality mm-hmm. of this creature who's limited in their power before he who is all things and who is this soul that they're, they're, that they're attacking has been purchased intimately and knowingly by God in his own blood. Somebody whose name the father speaks. So the Holy Spirit says, this is my temple. And you see the enemy freaking out about this. And they just basically what happens, is once you get through the bombastic part, they just end up very whiny and crying. <laughs> they just talk like this. There's no so whiny. The Lord lip comes out and they just whine and cry because they're isolated from all that's good, beautiful, and true. Mm. So all beauty pains them. Mm. And so this whole thing where it's all true is you see of what the church professes about Mary, the mother of God, it's true. You know why? Because they're professing that. Because you could be going in this and they all have things that bug them. And some of you know a whole branch of, of, of demons is Mary is more painful to them than Jesus Christ, because they can accept that the Lord is the Lord's sovereign, eternal, uncreated God with all authority and power, and every demon must bow before him. They can accept that, they get that. But they can't handle that he took this creature of flesh Mm. and they have raised her up on a throne as queen Mm. of heaven and Mm. queen of earth and queen of angels and queen of grace, whose heel, as Satan said once, whose foot, her heel turns everything back upon me and crushes Mm. me with it. And you should hear what they can profess. And sometimes you have to do that—is you go in there. And what is the truth that pains you the most about the blessed mother? How mm. does she crush you? Mm. You should hear the exquisitely beautiful things they say because they only can say the truth at that wow. point. Wow. And so, or about the Eucharist, or about the authority of apostolic succession in the bishop, or say, or about water, or chant, or marriage. <laughs> uh, when you have couples in there and you watch the demons go just nutter butters because of how their spouse is interceding mm-hmm. for them. And is bearing with their spouse part of that cross. Oh, it's so cool. Or I've had a case where it was a woman's religious. How humiliating and uh, accusatory the life of a woman religious is against the enemy. Mm. Because she espouses her entire self like Mary Mm. to Christ. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Kind of demands a lot sometimes. It pains you. Now, I was doing it yesterday, and yesterday I was like, oh, that's part of the reason why I'm tired today. It yeah. just pulled. But, but in that, it's just beautiful. And what you learn, though, in the midst of this is everything about the enemy, it's, it's lies, it's deceit, it's manipulation it's domination mm-hmm. yeah. and you can kind of like you have these trump cards it's in there the enemy can say all sorts of stuff and you can just say let's see uh the blood of jesus christ ah you defeated me again yeah <laughs> no, the one thing that defeats me and you realize like the power of the blood of christ everything we pray in these like why we pray as we do it's because yeah it is true amen so again stupid long answer but sorry
1: <laughs> no it's just amazing to me like i i I just read a book about St. Michael about two weeks ago, and I had never made that connection between Mary and Satan. That's who he hated the most, Mm -hmm. because he could get Jesus, but he couldn't get her, you know? And I had never even thought about that concept before. Like, we know revelations, you know, between him and the woman, but, like, this is powerful. You know, her intercession is powerful, and his hate of her is powerful, you know? Oh, it is.
3: No, the thing is, because she is the greatest— you know, Lucifer was this, you know, like, was the be- most beautiful creature by nature. Yes. He truly is the most beautiful thing God ever made by nature. But he's now perverted and as low as possible because of his pride. Mm. Mary's the most beautiful creature by grace. Mm. Because she submitted and gave up herself totally. And so it's by grace that she is the most beautiful creature there there is. <gasps> I love it. That's just, I mean, it shows how the, the, the paradox of faith, Mm -hmm. I mean, really, and this is something to say to all of, I mean, like the listeners out there, the enemy wants you to focus on what you don't have. And he wants to accuse in there and basically say, This is why everything's wrong in your life or your children's life or your work or whatever it is. It's because you don't have this, this, and that. Now, poverty is never an obstacle for God unless we allow it to be. Mm-hmm. It's just really a grace vehicle because we look, look at Jesus. And that's what I've learned. One of the most important lessons I've learned in this is Jesus' authority over the kingdom of hell and of demons. And Our Lady's authority is derived in their poverty. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That he, he who is everything made himself nothing. St. Paul lays that out so well. Because he who is the highest of things makes himself the lowest of things. The servant and the sacrifice for his creatures. Yep. And these demons are always trying to usurp themselves up. It, it, it's just this, everything they do is self-defeating. And so they're rebelling against he who made himself so low. And the same thing with Mary. Mm-hmm. She who has everything clings to nothing. Mm. So even though she was given the fullness of grace in that, immaculately conceived, she still did not cling to that. She emptied it, much like Christ in that Philippians uh, quote, and although he isn't the son of God, he did not deem equality with God something. You grasp that, rather he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. Well, she does the same thing. She refuses to be greater than her savior. Mm. Because remember, the wages of sin is death. She is free from any corruption, she chooses death, because if he died, she has to die.
2: I think for many of us, you know, we feel like our weakness is not the right thing. You know, like we're ashamed of our weakness. We want to mm-hmm. cower away with our weakness. But really, it is— it is the, Yeah, overcompensate yeah. all the things, you know? Yeah, oh, it can gosh, go every yeah. different direction. But it really is the best place that we can be, because we can turn that into dependence on God. And that's when everything changes. You know, I'm finding in my— as I grow in my faith, I feel littler, you know, I feel less competent. I feel like I know less, that I can do less, that I can accomplish less on my own power. And it's very freeing, actually. It's the most free that I've felt um, because I'm able to to just depend on the one who is strong,
3: you know? God does not accuse you in your poverty. And so important to know that.
2: Super important.
3: He doesn't accuse you because you're poor. He's taught me, it's like he put those things. There's these places where this one particular poverty, the father told me this. He goes, yeah. "I've You're poor there because you need to learn two things. One, that I'm a giver of gifts. And two, that you need me. Oh, gosh. That's mm-hmm. so good. Ugh. So I'm like, oh, I love thank it. You. And if we can accept that, then I, I want it. He's taught me to use my strengths the same way. So there's places where each of us has an abundance in certain virtues where we're just, we know how to do it. So even to treat it that way, like I know I have it here, I'm mean, going to. I'm going to act like I don't, so I give it all back to you, and I take that place of openness and receptivity mm-hmm. and trust. Yeah. Submission in the spiritual life, submissio, under the mission, is not passivity. It's rather you take the totality of your will and you place it at the feet of, cro- of, of, of Christ or our lady or whatever it is, and you follow their lead. Right.
2: I would love for us to just get practical for a moment because I know for many people they're listening, they're like, Okay, what does this mean, you know, for me? I mean, it means a lot for all of us in the sense that, you know, we we all we we may not need an exorcist to come in. You know, most of us don't No, you don't, but there are places where, yeah, like, I mean, these are rare situations, mm-hmm. but the enemy is still active in our life in the sense that he is lying to us. He is trying oh, to steal yeah. and destroy. He's, he is um in opposition to the good things that God is doing. And there are some practical things that we can do to let the light shine in the darkness. Like there is always hope. I love the scripture in John where Jesus says, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but, but, take heart. Mm-hmm. I've overcome the world. You know, these are the things that we need to hold on to. We are going to suffer and we are going to have difficulty. And many people who are listening, they're like, amen, I'm in it right now. <laughs> like I'm experiencing difficulty. And um, as we've talked, Father Justin, you you have taught me about like prayer prescriptions and some very practical things that we can do when we're in the midst of struggle to help bring the light into the darkness. Can you just talk about that for a sec?
3: The first thing I want to emphasize, and it kind of ties into what I've learned, is God has imbued in the church the ordinary means for deliverance, salvation, healing, and defense, meaning within the right practice of the faith, the sacramental life, and using these beautiful gifts we have within devotions and sacramentals and, and all that, we have all the means necessary for healing and deliverance. Now, people who petition the office, 80 to 85% of the cases, as we use this, uh, a certain um, uh, protocol called uh, freedom through Christ. The first piece is a prayer prescription an ordered prayer prescription that we're disciplined to. Um, it's amazing how much grace comes there because a lot of people are not praying regularly. And I tell you, there's a billion reasons why you're not praying. There's always going to be a reason mm. why you're not there, but we have to learn within our lives. Firstly is that our life has to revolve around God, not God around us. Mm. So there is a certain monastic order to it at the core of one of these things. There's certain parts and it just depends on where is that soul at in regard to their maturity, their sacramental formation and that. But you know, the heart of it, it's the Angelus. Mm. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. among us. So at six noon and six, they're praying the Angelus. Amen. They do this, they're supposed to do this for 30 days without breaking it they have to do it on the hour got to do that and part of it's learning of discipline because we receive strength and healing and grace when we write order and write prayer and the order is we have to be ordered under god Mm. ordered under our 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 pontiff our bishop our pastor if you're married or in a religious life or diocese you're under your right authority structure there okay so the prayer prescription is a way of we just hit it with these things.
2: It's like taking a medical prescription every day, as we would to get rid of something. Mm-hmm. It's a prayer prescription.
3: You've got cancer. You need to take this mm-hmm. at noo- uh, 6 a.m., noon, and 6. Now, you might— So good. You know, they can wake so up at good, 6, yeah. pray it, go back to sleep for an hour. That's okay. But that's, that's the analogy. It's a medical analogy. So you've got to take the medicine. So part of this is, I would tell people, firstly, directing oneself towards that, that confidence in God's ability to save. And try not to approach the whole thing purely by anxieties, fears, uh, and that. So we just start with a prayer prescription. It's amazing how much grace comes from that, and how that can clear up tons of stuff. It's also diagnostic, because when we pray in a regular way and there's consistency, we can start to see is what is reacting to what. Because mm-hmm. we're always looking at two things. What's going on with the person and what's going on with whatever they're saying is going on. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at, mm-hmm. do they get better or worse? either one of those. And so the wow. consistency gives you a diagnostic to start to figure out what's going on. It also the prayer prescription brings clarity, so you can work with a spiritual director or just pick something, something doable, and consistent. And so that you can do it every day, for 30 days, you'd be amazed how much you can be healed. And that second phase, just so you go in there is what can bring is once you start that clarity, you can start to realize you know here's the parts that are me here's the broken parts of my heart here's my broken thinking here's my immaturity in the faith and you might be able to see what the end you know the the other part that's the enemy because everyone wants to worry about demonic attack we all got to worry about the first line of attack it's temptation Mm. and the big temptation is obsessive thought Mm -hmm. so i'm going to tell everybody out there is what's going to happen you mothers who are losing sleep and you're obsessing there's this accusation there's this thought it's burning in there quit talking to the dang snake okay disengage from the obsessive thought or accusation and speak to jesus or our lady can
2: we can we put that on a graphic Amen. quote michelle quit talking to the dang snake <laughs> <laughs>
0: seriously that's true That's no, so it's true. true so true so in that
3: is you can take his data lord I hear the voice is that I am just an ugly woman and a terrible mother. Mm. Jesus, what do you want me to know? So Mm. Heather, I remember there was someone that you were working with when the conference is lunch. And I remember her testimony of the difference between when the enemy speaks to her and when God, and I Mm. think it's one of the best ways to understand this in a practical way. If you're being assaulted by temptation is this, he goes, when the enemy speaks to me, it's this huge blanket statement, Mm. IE you are a horrible mother. All you're doing is hurting the girls. They'd be better off without you. They're going to grow up so broken because you're just a terrible mother. You think you're good, but you're not. It's like And it just goes and goes and goes and won't shut up. When God speaks, it's very specific and succinct. I.e., today, when you lost your temper with the girls in the car, you weren't being a good mother. Mm-hmm. God will speak very specific. He speaks to an action. The enemy generally talks It's a whole long line of propaganda, but God might say Mm -hmm. this, say he'll just keep it short and he won't even explain everything, but it's all contained in there. I will take care of you or you are loved Mm -hmm. or I trust you. Yeah. So the, some of that practical stuff right there is just that a regular prayer prescription. It doesn't have to be more is not less is looking at using that devotion, trying to engage your will towards the knowledge and thought of God, disengage from the emotions and the obsessive thoughts, and that can do a lot for bringing peace, because mm-hmm. otherwise we're going to grasp at remedies. And this is where people get anxious. They want quick remedy. They don't want deep healing. And I, that's the last thing I'd say. Mm-hmm. Anyone if you have stuff going on, trust God's healing process for you. Mm-hmm. It'll be longer maybe than you wanted it to be. it'll be so much more fruitful.
2: Yeah, and I think the good thing about prayer prescription, like you gave me one last week, and it was what I realized is what's working right now for me is praise. Mm. Praise is breaking through uh, just the overwhelming feeling that I have about stuff that's going on in my life. And so you just said, I want you to praise for five minutes a day. And if you can do it longer, do it longer. But five minutes a day, and it was very simple. And so I just want to touch on that: that this isn't about scrupulosity no. or like you got to jump through these hoops to get God to to act or protect you. It doesn't work that way. God loves us deeply, wants intimacy Amen. with us. The enemy is trying to thwart things. He doesn't have any power except for what we let them have you know, with us. And so, it's just reclaiming mm-hmm. ground by the grace of God through simple actions of really devotion and also surrender and i think that, that that those are some of the keys that i hear coming out from what you're saying father is that it's it's more simple than we think god is more powerful than we think the enemy is less powerful than we think and yeah. everything that we believe as small as it might be whether it's wearing miraculous metal or you know putting holy water on our forehead that these things actually matter that it's not just a ritual yeah. it's not just a symbol Uh, but it has a deep spiritual reality that is powerful. And what what I'm hearing and everything you're saying is the Mm -hmm. richness that we have at our disposal Is so beautiful. And I think, especially in the season of Advent, if we can enter in more fully to what the church is already offering to us and what is all around us and bring our families into that for those who have children, or if you have parents or siblings, or whatever state of life you might be in, if we could encourage one another, those who God has entrusted to you, just right around you, um, to enter in more fully to the beauty. You know, as you said, beauty heals. Don't fight the battle alone. Don't fight the battle
3: alone. Enter in the the mm-hmm. whole community of the church and the saints and the angels that God has assigned to you and put around you, your guardian angel, those saints that you love, the saints you're named after, put yourself in the midst of that. That's always how we want to engage. The enemy wants to divide mm-hmm. and conquer. So as you're saying is enter into the experience of Holy Mother Church. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And I would love to say that we are this organized, but we're not, but how we plan this uh, podcast season, the season six, but go back and listen. We've talked about this. What is the voice of the father? Mm -hmm. How does, what is Jesus's attributes? What is the voice of the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit? How does he work? And all these things build upon each other. You know, when you understand what the voice of the father is, like Father Justin was saying, like Jesus's voice is always specific and succinct. You know, so you know when it's that you know the voice of the Father or the voice of the Holy Spirit or when it's the voice Mm -hmm. of the evil one. Mm. It's not accusations. Mm. You know, sometimes it's conviction, Mm -hmm. but it's not accusing you. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not that. And so these are just powerful tools. And I know very similar to you all. It is a process, Mm -hmm. and I'm not a process girl, but that's what. The faith journey is about. It's about the journey and not the end result. Well, the end result is really good. We want to read that you, know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know. But it's the journey with the Lord
0: and seeing what He is teaching us. And so, wow. So much yeah.
1: wisdom, wow! Yeah,
0: thank you so much, Father. I mean, I, I wish we were not out of time, but we are. But like, as you're speaking, I'm like, I'm gonna go back and listen to this episode myself, you know, and just take notes and just listen again and again. And I Literally, love. I took like a whole page full of notes. I'm like writing as quick as he is speaking. Yeah, oh. and I think, I think so. it's really providential also that we're having this particular episode at the very beginning of Advent. Amen. And so, yeah, like it, it, that, it is a time to you know to, to practice our prayer and to to delve into who God is and just to listen. I mean, that that sets up the whole. Whole rest of Advent for us, so I just want to say thank you, Father Justin, for giving us that such immense wisdom. I yeah, I just like I can't wait to listen to this uh, when it airs. So, um, but one thing we do at the end of our episode is that we all um, offer our listeners a one thing for the week. So Father Justin, I'll let you think about that. And while we offer our, so um, Heather, did you want to offer our listeners a one thing for the first week of Advent, dear?
2: Sure. Yes. I, first of all, just want to let everybody know if you don't know from last year, I created an Advent playlist, which I will put the link in the show notes and you're welcome to check that out on Spotify. Mm -hmm. You don't need to pay for an account. You can have a free Spotify account and you can access that, but just some Advent themed worship music. If you want to have that, it is yours to have. And recently I've been listening to this song. Michelle has mentioned these guys before Maverick City Music. Um, there's a song called Refiner, oh, and I, I was oh, watching the video Dang. the other day. I just put it. It was like Saturday morning. So we're good. drinking coffee. The kids are in the room, mm-hmm. you know. And I put this on, and I was completely undone. while I mm-hmm. well I watched it. It was just so beautiful. And yes, their worship is outside the box, you know, for many Catholics. And and what I've learned is uh, to look beyond that and mm-hmm. to just see the total abandonment of people like this who are so able to good. worship God with so much freedom and the words and just the genuine like outpouring of, of this song, it it blessed me tremendously. So I'll put the link to that video. Uh,
0: oh, it's so good for you. I've listened yeah. to
2: it
1: every day,
0: every day, at least once a day since then. Yeah. So yeah, it too. is.
1: And if I could just comment on Maverick sitting music, I'm just like a huge fan and Chandler Moore, like we were talking about you, my friend. And so y'all are doing amazing things and what mm-hmm. y'all are doing with the power of worship and racial reconciliation and breaking down the walls between denominations. Because when you worship together, it brings people of one heart and one mind. Mm-hmm. And the things that divide us fall away. And it is just a powerful thing that they are doing in, in Atlanta there. And I'm so proud of those guys. Like it mm-hmm. is organic and beautiful and a total move of the spirit. So Very we much. commend you. Um Michelle, your one thing. My one thing is Andrew Peterson. I am like late on the train to discover this man, but now that I have discovered him, he is my new BFF, and he doesn't even know me. And so I am reading his new book. I think it's Walk in the Darkness, and about art and faith and living it all together. But he's a fiction writer too, and his I'm reading it to my children right now. My our good friend Jimmy Mitchell. Uh, turned me on to him and it is very Chronicles of Narnia like oh, his fun. books and so I'm reading out loud to our kids right now and they are even my bigger kids are actually acting like they're not listening but they're totally <laughs> listening yeah, and so um, but the That's same so theme great. is kind of the, very similar to Narnia or Lord of the Rings and just that whole idea of myth and fairy tale and bringing the faith to life so Andrew Peterson is my one thing and I will mm-hmm. put links to his stuff on our show notes
0: mm-hmm. so awesome. just uh, Oh, my My one thing is also a playlist, and I was thinking this morning, I don't know if I offered this last year, and I'm about to offend everybody in the Christian world who does not believe in listening to Christmas music before Christmas, but I'm so sorry, y'all. So it's a playlist. I did not create it, but it's called Peaceful Christmas, and I just love it. Aww. It's like 40-some songs of just really peaceful, all kinds of beautiful things, some traditional and some just different, and so I was, I was actually listening to that the other day. I was sitting at my desk, and I had it on in the background, and I'm like, I was loving every second of it, so... Peaceful oh. Christmas, Spotify, I will put the link out for all of you. So, Father Justin Brady, what is your one thing for the week, dear friend? You can do it.
3: <laughs> oh, I, I know. My one thing is Heather.
1: Oh, I love it. Aww. That is sweet. Tell us, tell Heather's us. Heather's blushing. Aww, <laughs> yeah.
3: I know. the Just the depth and the richness of this relationship that has been a, uh, a light and darkness, a prophetic voice in a time of chaos and lies. You've been a champion for me, a friend. And it's, as I reflect on that relationship, it is really a foretaste of heaven. Mm. To be able to have a gift of delight in someone so naturally and easily and to love them and to know them and have the gift of given the permission to love mm. them as well. Mm. So. You're my one thing. Oh, 27 I 27 years that. of beautiful friendship. Oh, thank you. So thank I, you for. You
2: are a treasure to me also. You know that. <laughs>
0: I'm crying. Oh, my gosh. So I know. Me too. <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> so Father beautiful. Justin. You made all of us <laughs> oh start cheering up. Uh, Amen. So that's beautiful. And that's what love does, right? <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> that's what the beautiful. love that triumphs. That's the love that triumphs um, of light over darkness right there. That's what love it does. Is. That's exactly how it works. That's <laughs> awesome, Father. Beautiful. Would you
2: just close us in a quick prayer? I think just for our listeners, especially in this Advent season.
3: Our help is in the name of the Lord. Amen. And and May heaven and earth. earth. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your, your spirit. spirit. May you, dear sons and daughters of God, know that you are not orphans. That your Father sees you and pursues you that he draws you to himself through his own son and through the embrace of a mother's love in Mary, and that he surrounds you with a great cloud of witnesses and defenders and whose grace is greater than all weakness, all darkness, and all accusation. May the true knowledge of Christ come into the darkness, into the world, dispel all your darkness root you in peace order your person and lead you by a strong and faithful will to victory in him and may almighty god bless each and every one of you with the father and the son and the holy spirit amen. amen
0: amen brother justin brady thank you so much it's been delightful to have you on well have to have you on again another time thank you so much
3: Oh, you're welcome for giving you the longest episode you've ever had in <laughs> entire history.
0: Well, we love it. We love every second of it. And we just wish you um, every blessing as we begin this Advent season, dear listeners. And we pray that each one of you, each one of you would profoundly experience the triumph of Christ, the light in your life. So until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. If our podcast has blessed you, would you please consider financially supporting Abiding Together via Patreon? Patreon is a website where people can make donations to help keep the podcast going. And now that we at Abiding Together have an independent platform, we have a number of costs that go into creating the podcast and the high quality content we offer, such as our website, design, tech support, staff, and other elements. Having an independent platform also allows us to explore and create new content for all of our listeners to enjoy. So thank you so much to all of you who are already donors. When you donate through our page on Patreon, you are able to donate any amount, $1 a month, $5 a month, $500 a month, or just a one-time offering. Abiding Together is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization and donations are tax deductible. So would you please prayerfully consider giving to Abiding Together? If you donate $15 or more per month, you become a tribe member and you will receive a short individual video from Michelle, Heather and I each month about a variety of topics. You can see all of the information on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. So consider becoming a supporting member today and help us further the work of the Holy Spirit moving in and through this community. Together, we can do amazing things. We are so grateful for your support and may God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? Could you also leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. All the show notes are in your podcast app, but if you'd like them emailed to you, you can go to our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com and subscribe. On our website, you will also find all of our past episodes and information about various episodes. You can also join our private Facebook group and get in on the discussion and all the beautiful things that are happening there. We are so glad that you are on the journey with us. And until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you.